Welcome to this week's episode of I Think We're Good Here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jackson Metakekia. And I'm Matt West. And we're here getting to know the sport of volleyball through the life experiences our guests have to share with us. Come take a listen. On today's episode, we'll be talking to our first ever female guest, three-time All-American, three-time Pac-12 Setter of the Year, ex-national team member, Bundesliga champion, and current professional athlete, Maddie Bug. Welcome to the podcast, Madison Bug. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jackson. <laughs> well, let's get it going. Um, so, you've been a gym rat essentially your whole life. Yeah. Right. Your parents started a club in Dallas. Yep. Yeah, and then you moved to New Hampshire, where you picked up and played on your first official team. Well, we moved to Utah in between okay. those two. And my mom was a high school coach there. Okay. And then you just kept staying in the gym and yeah. hanging out. Yeah. I remember I always tried to get my serve over the net during like the break between the second and the third set. And the dancers always did a dance to Toxic with Britney Spears. It's like ingrained in my brain. <laughs> did you get any over? Yeah, my, I mean, my rule was I started at the 10-foot line, and then I, if I got it over, I could take a step back. And if I missed, I had to start back over at the 10-foot line. Oh. Why so much dad, moving? Yeah, my dad is not in the Army. Um, he worked for Fidelity Investments the whole time that I was growing up, but he got promoted, then he got put on a special project, then he asked to get taken off the project because... That was while we were in New Hampshire. My family did not deal well with the cold. So okay. we asked to move. And we've been in North Carolina since I was in seventh grade. How young were you when you started playing in New Hampshire? I was 10 to 12 while we were in New Hampshire. And that was your first official team sanctioned volleyball? Yeah, my first team, I think I was 10. And it was the 12s team of ACE volleyball club I don't know if it still exists actually but my mom coached high school in New Hampshire also and her associate her partner ran a volleyball club and so I played for them we had bubble knee pads and tie-dye red socks and gotta gotta love 12s volleyball yeah I was into it I loved it that's awesome. Let the record show also, shout out to Robin Bug, Madison's mother, yeah. for being the all-time block leader in Tennessee volunteer history. Yeah. Let's really? See. She's a stud. So then you move Apex, Apex right yeah. away, yeah. and then you start playing for Triangle? Yeah, I went to two tryouts, one for Triangle, and then I went for this club called Challenger. Um and I think I just ended up having a better time at the triangle tryout for whatever reason and played there the rest of my club days. How old were you when your mom first started coaching you? My first team, my mom coached. Your first team? Yeah. She used to yell at me because I could never push the ball out far enough because I weighed like 12 pounds. I had sticks for arms and I couldn't push the ball out. What age group is that? That was 12. Or I think we were kind of a mixed group of yeah. ages, and I think we played depending on what we ha- had in the group. So, like, 
sometimes we played four teams. But New England volleyball wasn't very strong. So it was okay. We like I don't even remember if we won mm-hmm. or lost. You were just having a good time. Yeah, I was just trying to push the ball out to the bin. Were you always a setter or is it by choice or because nobody else had the it's usually like the basic skills nobody's yeah. got it except one kid um I think in the very beginning everybody did everything um like we all learned an approach we all learned how to play defense um I think I was always kind of gifted as a setter like I just had good hands because I peppered with my dad every day um my poor man so many pepper sessions uh but I ended up like throughout my career in club hitting and setting a lot I had I think I had my 15s year I was the only setter on the team and then my one of my 18s years I think I was the only setter but I did a lot so so coming up in club who was like who was the first person to teach you how to set? Like, actually give you good instruction? Was it your mom? Um, my mom gave me a lot of, like, volleyball IQ information. And I think it was what made me a good setter. As good as, like, a 13-year-old setter can be. But um, I rem- I know more people coached me than like before I got to my 15s team, but I remember uh, Stephanie, what's her last name now? I don't remember. She, she got married. She said at UNC and she was one of our assistants, my 15s year. And she coaches at, uh, it's a team in New York, Buffalo. She coaches at Buffalo college now. And I remember she was the one who taught me how to set quick to my middles because everything was kind of loopy and she was the first one that I remember teaching me how to set off one foot teaching me how to set like quick out of my hands and yeah I loved her I thought she was the coolest thing ever did she find you or did you go out and seek guidance from her so she was coaching or she was playing at UNC and coaching for us and so we would have like setter training sessions, I think every Sunday or something. And so she would work with all the setters, but she would always work with me a lot because I was on her team. But I think it was the first time I remember really training as a setter and really getting excited about setting. Because until then I was like, I just want to play volleyball. How old were you when we met in Tucson for the first time? (laughs) Uh, like A1 Select Camp? Yeah. How old were you? Was that 7th or 8th grade? Uh, I think okay. I was a freshman. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then I would be 8th grade. So 14? Yeah. 13, 14? Mm-hmm. I was 13, yeah. So going into that camp and like having, I'm guessing, played in qualifiers and going yeah. to the tryout and all these things, was the level just unparalleled to anything you had played with or against or was it just like a totally new eye-opening experience and and how yeah I I loved those camps and I was um I remember it was a really 
they were really hard for me. One, because I physically had never played that much volleyball. And two, I didn't know if I was a hitter or a setter. Like I would train setting, but I always hit in club. And so then I'd go to these HP camps and I was like, am I a hitter or a setter? I always set for USA stuff, but like when you hit all year, it's like kind of a weird switch. And I didn't know how to just be a setter and how to like affect the game as much as I felt that hitters affected the game at that time. And I also just loved like hanging out with all those girls who loved volleyball like I did. And cause I was definitely not like weird, but like definitely the one who cared the most about volleyball and was like the most into it. And um, it was just cool to be around a bunch of girls that were super obsessed with it like me. And I remember, I remember never thinking that I was like great. Like I was never, I was usually on the second team, but I remember thinking like I can hang with everybody, but I don't feel like I'm going to outshine everybody and be like the standout, which is, you know, I mean, that, that hasn't changed that much (laughs) to this day. Who were the other setters at that camp? The first one, there was Lauren Seekman. And then Andy Malloy was, Andy Malloy was setting and hitting, and we were on the same team that year. Um, who was the other setter that was on the first team? So Maddie, with with uh, you're talking about being in the USA pipeline, mm-hmm. what tournaments did you get to go to to represent the country? I remember I went to Guatemala for Norseca. That was the first time I got to play because the select camp, we didn't go anywhere. We had like a tournament in within the camp. And then Guatemala was the first like travel tournament thing. And you're a high school athlete. What's it like representing the USA? And just tell me about that team. So we were, I was a sophomore. I think most of the girls were sophomores and It was my first time like on a big trip like that without my parents and I remember being terrified I wouldn't find the group (laughs) and then we got to Guatemala and it became clear that Jim Stone was our coach and it became clear through training that I was the starting setter which I had not that hadn't been my role up until that point and I was very scared. I remember I set a ball over the net in training and he was like, you are the setter for the youth national team. You can't do things like that. And I was like, why am I here? Like, (laughs) I just did that. Like, um, and then we played in the tournament and I actually played pretty well. And then everyone got started getting sick. Everybody got this stomach bug. And it just ripped its way through the team. And I I remember coming, I, I felt kind of sick and I came down for breakfast and they had fish at the breakfast. And like that smell hit me and I was like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> and we had a big match that night. I think we were playing Mexico. And then I didn't do the morning training. And then I came down for lunch 
and I remember Jim was like, well, make sure you take a nap before the, the match because you're going to be tired. And I was like, I'm playing? So then I played and I remember that was kind of the moment where I was like, this is a, this is really hard and a really big deal to like be a part of this program. And like the things that are expected of me are really difficult, like standards to meet. And um, like just being good at volleyball is not going to be enough. Like you're going to have to decide that you're playing with the flu, Michael Jordan. Like, and that, I think that like being sick and being told like, you're going to play and not in like an inhumane way, but like it's the USA youth national team. Like you're going to play. It's not like your leg is broken or something. Yeah, and you said you said you kind of found your way into the starting role, and that wasn't your role before. Yeah, I I think I said before, like I was always on the second team, and I was always at the top, but not quite at the top. And so I always like I'd win some scrimmages, and I'd compete with people, but I wasn't like the the top setter, or, like many of the coaches' like favorite setter or something, yeah. and then. Um, that was the tournament where I was like, okay, I'm the starter. And it was super fun. I loved it. Like I had a great time. Um, but it was really, really intimidating for sure. I feel like just the way that you're like talking about this whole process and like how it was hard. I don't think many kids are like, wow, this requires a lot of work or most kids are just like, this was great. I need to get better at X, Y, Z. And like with the mentality that you had, how did the recruiting process work for you? Cause it feels like you were at like a higher level of thinking than most 14, 15 year olds. So working into the recruiting process after having mm-hmm. been the best setter at that tournament, awarded the best setter. Then, Hey-o. yeah, then did school start coming after you immediately after? And if so, then how did you start knowing like, okay, Stanford's Stanford's it? Yeah. So because girls volleyball recruits so early, I was already going through all of that. And I had decided when we lived in New Hampshire that I was going to try to go to Stanford because they played Boston college in a preseason tournament and they won and so I was like I want to go to the winning team obviously so So, since I was in like simply hold on (laughs) that hold on yeah so we're talking about Stanford we're talking about literally one of the best universities in the country not just I didn't know that like I just knew that they won the match (laughs) so you just decided like yeah I, I want to go there yeah and I think my dad was like we shouldn't have taken her to that match. <laughs> um, so I think for, for a while after that match, it was just kind of like everyone seemed very impressed when I said I wanted to go to Stanford. And they seemed to win a lot of volleyball games. So those met like a lot of the criteria of a 13-year-old, um, sure. which is why I don't think you should recruit 13-year-olds. But yeah, as I kind of as I started growing up more and realized Stanford was in California, (laughs) I, I was like, actually, I think I have stumbled upon like the best school 
in the country. Um, I'm going to stick to this. And yeah, I was always, I was a good kid. I got good grades. I was pretty quiet. Um, I loved volleyball and it ended up working out for me. How stressful was the application process? I, I was extremely stressed about the application. I, well, first you had to get the grades and you had to take the hard classes. So that was challenging. But then in filling out the application, like you get one application in the mail and you have to fill it out in pen. And Denise scared me so much because she was like, if you mess this up, you don't get a do-over. Like, don't spill coffee on it. Use your best handwriting, like all this stuff. And I remember the fir the first things you fill out are like my name and my birth date. And I wrote 080494. And then I looked underneath and it was like month, it was like day, day, month, month, year, 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 year. So I was supposed to write 1994. And I immediately cried. I was like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I've messed it up already but yeah that application I wasn't that stressed about trying to go to Stanford until I had to do that application and until I mailed it and I was like wait they could say no and by that point like all my backups had fallen off they had offered their scholarships to other girls and there was only plan a or like take a gap year I guess how was John? How was John in that? Like how how is he through the whole thing? John is like the kindest man and is very calm, is very positive, is very gentle. And yeah, just never made me feel stressed. And I think that was part of the reason that I was never that stressed about it. And then I filled it out and was like, wait a minute. Like, it's possible I don't get in. He never talked about that. When did you start feeling a strong connection with John Dunning? I mean, I always liked John, but then he decided to do home visits. I think starting with my class um, and he came to my house and sat and had dinner with my family and my I was like trying to <laughs> portray the image that we had this like perfect lovely family we do I do have a great family but like I was trying to make him think that my family was perfect and then my sister my sister had to be like seven or so. My sister goes upstairs after dinner and came back downstairs with a notebook that she had glued a ton of pictures of her in. And she proceeded to show him this photo album that she had created of herself to my <laughs> college coach. And he like took it in stride. He laughed like he was great about it. And I remember being so embarrassed that my sister was like trying to steal the show or whatever which if you know my sister now like she would do the exact same thing today like for sure and I just remember like the way he reacted to that I was like he's a good guy was he was he the same as a coach 
Was he pretty patient with you guys? What What did it yeah. take for him to, if he ever did pop, what What does it take for that guy to pop off? John John doesn't pop. He said the f word one time in my four years. Ooh, why? I don't even. We were losing. I don't remember why, but we were losing, and we were playing like lazy volleyball, and we played great after that after that timeout and he know he never said it again but every time that we would be losing or whatever um my libero kyle gilbert would always be like pretend like john just swore at us (laughs) (laughs) yeah he like he is the most kind most patient best teacher i think has his priorities straight yeah he's a great guy so you walk into Stanford your freshman year, and you're not supposed to play, yeah? Yeah, I was not supposed to play my freshman Yeah, and then Carissa. who goes down? Carissa? Carissa. We were playing Penn State um, at Penn State, and Carissa, we were, do- we were running a 6-2 that match. I had sat on the bench, and she had run a 5-1 when we went to a tournament in Hawaii, and I was kind of expecting, like, to sit on the bench or to play a 6-2. And we were running a 6-2. I hadn't blocked all preseason. And Carissa hurt her knee. So I forget what she did to her patella. And I remember at the time, the way that we ran timeouts was that the people who were playing sat on the bench. John would take a knee in front of them and then the bench would stand behind him. So we were looking at the girls who were playing and I remember Carissa like grabbing her knee in this timeout and like looking at John and like shaking her head no, like I'm not playing anymore. And I was like, oh my God, I have to play right now against Penn State and I haven't blocked in a month. Like And this is this is Carissa Cook, right? Yeah, Carissa Cook. The over on one specialist on the AVP. And she was, like, the way she plays beach volleyball is the way she played indoor. Like, everything looks effortless. It is minimal movement. And I just thought she she is the cool. I still think she's the coolest, like, most interesting person off the court. Like, super kind, super intelligent, and a really good volleyball player. And she was a great senior captain. And I just remember being like, oh, my God, I have to play now. And I had to play. And we went to five. And I had to block Deja McClendon, who was, I think, the player of the year, the year before. And we lost in five. And I remember walking back to the locker room and being like, you made it. Like, you survived. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> at least you didn't, like, blow it for everybody else. How, uh, for the listeners, how many games in a row did you guys win after that? I think 22. Decent. Oh, okay. That, yeah. That's okay. We did Decent right. freshman debut. <laughs> that's that's all right, I guess. Is after after so, Penn State. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So we always ask people, who's the first person to give you the business? I'm going to take a wild crack and say Deja McClendon. No, okay. That was the thing. Was She didn't give me the business. Oh. She, I didn't stop her by any means. <laughs> but she didn't like, <laughs> blow me up. Okay. And so I was who like, blew oh, you okay. up? anybody who tooled line as a habit that was horrible um the first person to give me the business oh i've told you about this natalie hagland is a libero 
as I hope a lot of people know. Yeah. For USC, and she set a school record against us. 50 digs in a match. And I was like, <laughs> I can't set anywhere. I can't dump a ball without that girl playing it. Like, I can't serve a different player. She's everywhere. And because I think most of the guys will answer this question as, like, a blocker and a defender. But, like, she made my life so difficult that night. We lost. You don't have 50 days yeah. and lose usually. So. No, I've played some middles that I've, like, he figured me out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, now what do I do? I was like, she knows where each of my targets is going to hit. She knows who I want to set. She knows when I like to dump. She knows where I like to serve. I can't do anything. Yeah, that's pretty tough. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> she's just got your scouting report on her backhand. Yeah, and she was playing with Samantha Bricio, who, like, wasn't bad, you know. Oh, Bricio, Bricio had one of the gnarliest serves, I remember. She still has it. <laughs> like, yeah, she's blowing up Europe with it. Like, that was a really she, good team. It was. That was a really good team. And they still ran high balls at that time. Yeah, because Mick was still coaching there. No, but he switched it to fast. Yeah, I remember talking it. to Alex Dunphy about that because he went into the gym once Karch got there yeah. and, like, recalibrated his offense after going high balls. Because what was her name? Kendall Bateman was God, an yeah. SCBC God yeah. growing up. She was so good. And then she went to SC and everybody was like, what is this girl doing? Setting high balls yeah. as a girl setter, I'm going to say, is, like, so really, hard. really hard. Yeah. Like, she's pretty fortunate she had some yeah. ridiculous – I mean, Alex Jupiter is pretty good, too. Yeah. She had her. Yeah, she's pretty good. That was good. a good team. <laughs> a really good team. But they ran a high ball offense, yeah. and I could not time a block. Yeah. Because really all hard. we played against and all that we played was tempo and fast. And yeah. so, like, I'm swing blocking. I'm always in a rhythm. And then I was like, do I shuffle block? Do I swing and wait? Like, how do I do this? Right. You almost have to count it out. Like, one, two, yeah. three, and we're going over. Yeah. It was like, I was struggling just to get the right tempo and trying to block Samantha Bruce. Yeah. So, it was, a, it was not a great game for me. And it was in the Galen Center, and it was so quiet, and that place is so big. And I was like, this is my nightmare. Like, <laughs> I can't do anything. Oh, man. So then you guys go into your sophomore season. Yeah. And what's your starting sixth? You? My sophomore B-How? year. Yeah, Behal. Jordan Burgess. Okay. Rachel Williams was our right. Inky's out there, right? Inky. This is pre. Carly Wopat's yeah. in the middle. Kyle Gilbert. Yeah. That's a really good team. It was That's a and really, it was really good team. We, we lost a couple matches that year. Yeah. Like, we lost more than my freshman year. But you still felt, like, a, a confidence? Yeah, we felt pretty confident. It was almost the same lineup as my freshman year. Yeah. But then, yeah, then we lost to Penn State in the Elite Eight in what, in my opinion, was the national championship match. Like, it was such a good match. So, hold on. Your sophomore year, who were your middles? <laughs> Inky Jodaku and Carly Wopat. <laughs> that is insane. So I went, like, my timing, my timing at Stanford 
in terms of middles was like, and I love setting the middle, like it could not have worked out better for me. And we could pass, like we could always pass. Jordan and Brittany were like the best passing outsides in the country, I think. And we happen to have the two best middles in the country. Like, So your whole time at Stanford, who was the best player you played with? Anki. Really? Yeah. I'm not saying what made her- my best friend. Like she was, I knew that she was really dominant. And then I was, this year while I was in France, I was watching one of our old matches and I was like, she was so much better than the rest of us. And she, What made her so good? She was so much more physical than the rest of us. She was playing volleyball at like a completely different altitude as everyone else. And then she was really strong really quick learner like she came into college hitting slides off two feet like it was she would hit overpasses on our side of the net and then like four weeks later she's like crushing teams in pac 12 after preseason (laughs) i mean she was an idiot the whole time like i like there was not a week that went by where i was like are you kidding me like something she was goofy footed right she was goofy footed, so she was crushing balls to one because it, she would jump goofy footed uh, and kind of like rotate towards one and just crush balls. And then obviously the national team calls her and she goes to the summer, it goes to the gym for the summer. And Karch is like, you have to learn how to hit to five. Like, and she's like, okay. By this point, she's not goofy footed anymore. She comes back and she's like, I'm hitting every ball to five no matter what. And there was a point in. I remember in practice where I was like, Inky, if you hit the next ball to five, I'm not setting you for the rest of practice because we're going to score if you hit to one. (laughs) Like, we will score. You're so good at it. I would like to win a drill today. Like, please. And she was like, no, I have to learn how to hit to five. Dude, I I had never, like, seen her really, aside from – in the national championship game when they won it in 2016, her senior year, right? Yeah, it was her redshirt senior year. Yeah, her redshirt senior year. And so I'm in the gym, and I just hear this doosh. And I was like, what What was that? And I go around, uh, like, the banister that they have, like the benches are, and Inky's over there. And I was like, oh, man, I got to watch this. Because she's on a jump limit because she was knee-having and doing all this stuff. So she can only jump, like, 20 times. And I'm like, I got to take advantage and watch, like, these 20 jumps she's going to take. She Kong-blocked a Bic, and it went – it went, dude, it went, like, at least 10 feet over the antenna. She blocked <laughs> it so straight down. She bounced a slide. She Kong-blocked somebody else, like, same thing, like, 10 feet over the antenna. And then she bounced another ball. That was her day. She walked off the court. I was like, that's the greatest water break I've ever taken. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. She completely demolished everyone. She just rode the bike to warm up. She's doing all her glute stuff. And, like, she was really struggling with her knee at the time. And then she just hopped in the drill. They're like, all right, Inky, you're in. Boom. Boom. Let me just, like, get – 10 ESPN like highlights I'm out later I gotta go do rehab now yeah yeah and the thing was like like I got used to it where I would get used to her 
blocking people like that and stuff and then I left and I was like oh my god I miss her so much yeah. I was talking to Maddie and Mansfield about her and like Maddie obviously tells me like all the quirky stuff that she used to do she did a lot of embarrassing but like things. Mansfield as a coach was like I've never seen that kind of raw talent in a human being period to the point where she could she can't straighten her arms Jackson yeah. and she could still put on a display like this yeah. she single hand I I know that that class is unbelievable of Jenna Gray and Plummer and all these people. I don't care what you say. She put that team on her back. She hit one balls and she won a national championship hitting one balls, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would still put the Stanford class that just graduated. Like you said, Catherine Plummer, Morgan uh, Jenna Gray, Morgan Hens, um, the key sisters, yeah. They won three national championships. Whatever. So to me, the first one, though, is the most important. It was not <laughs> first. It's a tidal wave. Oh, okay. <laughs> Snowball effect, man. You win yeah. one, the next two are easy. Yeah. Winning national championships is like the easiest thing you could ever do, you know? Because <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah, you know, right? Zero, zero between the three of us. <laughs> Yeah, we know what we're talking about you know, over here. So then you have sophomore obvious heartbreaker, and I've yeah. also sat down and talked to you, Mansfield, and Mansfield has a theory that was it at 2-1 or 3-1 or Micah missed her serve, but it was an ace? Oh, I don't know what the score was. It's but pretty yeah. early in the first set. So Micah opened the game on a seven-point run, Hancock. As she does. Like know. normal. She's got she this 65 mile an hour Lefty. left to right hook that just torched the league for however long she was in it. And she's just wrecking Italy now. Yeah. But so she opens the game with a 7 0 run. I didn't know this, but Mansfield told me at like 2 1 or 3 1, she served a ball, probably about a ball out. And he was like, if they had called that ball out, that game's different. All of a sudden, she doesn't have all this confidence. If we had challenge system yeah. at that point. Maybe it's a different ball game. Yeah, you're talking about the Final Four. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, throughout that match, like, we – okay, we were coming off of our Elite Eight win against Florida, and we had had the best offensive performance of my career in the past three years. Like, our team hit over 500. Is it your junior year? Yeah. And, like, we could not miss. Like, it was yeah. awesome. And so then you wait a week, and, like, we just – in the way I feel about it is, like, we just peaked a week early. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. Because we played – we didn't play great that match, but, like, we had just played so well yeah. that everything else felt bad. Like, didn't feel as good. Right. You know? It felt good, but not great. Yeah, it was, like, pretty average performance, but, like – compared to what we had just done and compared to as well as Penn State played, it just wasn't enough. So before before we hit your senior year, yeah. talk us through your setting developments bef- prior to your senior year. Like you walk in, yeah. you, you don't know you're going to play. What's your strategy? What are you thinking? Or you just think, I got to go out there and not blow up my freshman year and then things start developing or just talk us through 
each year and your coaching and what happened? My freshman year, I was trying to survive. I was treading water. Like, and I asked John afterwards, after the season, I was like, why? Because Krista was healthy again. At, I forget what point, but like she was healthy before the season was over. And I was like, why did you keep playing me? Like, I wasn't better than her. I know I wasn't. And he was like, when your team wins 22 matches in a row, you don't change the starting setter, regardless of whether or not they're, like, they're the reason. Like, and, and so as much as that makes sense, it didn't give me that much confidence. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. So then in the off season, John asked me, how do you set? Like, what is your technique? And I grew up being a gym rat. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just doing it. So I I told him, I was like, I don't know, like, this sounds really stupid, but, like, if I miss low, the next ball, I'm like, set it higher, and it goes higher. Like, I just played a lot of volleyball, so I knew, like, what it felt like, but I couldn't have described it. Yeah. And so then we worked so long on my hand technique he wanted me to like take the ball all the way in and then flex my wrists all the way through it so that my index finger and my thumb were going all the way through because every time I set it looked different my yeah. freshman year so I got really good at that about like getting my hands to go all the way through and setting almost exclusively with my wrists like I didn't move my arms and okay so you win 22 matches in a row your freshman year. Mm -hmm. And then you really start to learn how to set the ball. Yeah. Well, then I learned, like, because I was just a good volleyball player. Like, I didn't have yeah. a setter's mindset. I was just like, I want to win. You know, and I... So, so you were a better competitor than a, than a setter. Yeah, I would say that okay. I didn't feel like a setter until my junior year because my sophomore year, my sophomore year, I really struggled emotionally with like how to deal with frustration or anger or Stress. how to problem solve. Yeah, like in those really tough moments because as a freshman, I was like, I don't have space in my brain for yeah, anything like, else. What are I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. My sophomore yeah. year, I kind of, I knew my technique more and I wasn't as scared. So I had this space to be like, wow, I'm angry right now about something that happened or whatever. And then it was like this mental game that I hadn't really had to deal with as just a setter before, because in the past I'd been a setter and a hitter. So I could, take a break from setting and just like hit a ball as hard as I could or whatever. But when you're running five, one, like you don't, unless you're Micah Hancock, you don't get to hit a lot of balls. Yeah. And so you have, I had to find a way to like get that out of me, which is why I started chewing gum. Uh, this is like, That's, a that is, that is absolutely incredible that, Chewing gum? No, not chewing gum. <laughs> you, no, you, you came up through the USA system. You get recruited to Stanford. You get into Stanford. You win a bunch your freshman year. And then the thing that frustrates you is 
having to learn those things. Yeah. That, I mean, that is absolutely incredible. Like, yeah. I you must have such, felt like you must have, yeah. you must have such a high tolerance for, I, I don't even know what to call it. Just challenging things. I, I have a high tolerance when I decide that I want to do it. If it's okay. something that like Matt can attest to this of like, if it's a card game and I'm, I'm not in like a mindset of like, let's work on this and get better. And I recognize that I'm not great at it. Like I want to be good at it. If it's a card game where I'm like, I'm just playing with my boyfriend and I lose, like I'm not as great at managing that frustration. Okay. But if it's something that I feel invested in, I can be like, I'm bad at this. Let's work on it. That is such a cool message for young athletes. Yeah. I I mean, it's painful and it's not without embarrassment or frustration or a lot of tears. Like I, yeah. oh my God, my whole team would comment on my Instagram pictures, hashtag bug cried all the time because I just... I didn't cry in practice a lot, but, like, I cried a lot. Like, talking about being frustrated, talking about how I needed help, like, things like that. Is that just because you cared so much? Yeah, I cried in every single individual meeting that I had with our coaches for four years because I just cared, and I was so invested, and it was what I was passionate about and it was just so close to my heart that like they, uh, <laughs> there's one meeting in particular, I think it was my junior year. Casey Kreider was our volunteer assistant and he was sitting in the meeting and he, I got complimented the whole meeting for like an hour and I just cried through the whole thing. And he was like, why? are you crying? And I was like, I don't know. I just care a lot. Like, I don't know. It's, it's always been like the, I just cry easily. It's just her thing. Yeah. It's just her thing. Yeah. A good movie, a bad movie, (laughs) a wedding, a divorce. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's waterworks galore. It's not like hysterical crying. No, it's It's just just like, I like tears will fall. But at the same time, it's a release for you. Yeah, yeah like it's, it's something. How I get out. Yeah, like we were talking about it earlier. For me, it's putting on headphones and just watching volley and zoning out. That's my release. I enjoy that. For you, it's just a nice. It's just a cry, and that's yeah. perfectly fine. Like I know a lot of people, their tolerance in that like moment of crying is like higher or lower depending on how you want to like phrase it. But that's just your, you just enjoy that. You I just don't like, like enjoy crying, but it is it like, it feels the most, good though. And it's, it's a good most, release. I always feel better. Yeah. 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 And I think that's important for especially young women yeah. to hear is like, that it's doesn't okay. mean we, it, yeah. it doesn't mean weakness. Like we always, we always think of crying as like, oh, sad or weakness or whatever the case may be. But sometimes it's just, an emotional thing and that's what you do to release those endorphins yeah and you spend so much time um 
I can't speak to like male athletes experience, but as a female athlete, you spend so much time like trying to be this super tough, super intense athlete. And I don't know if it's because I'm a girl or because I am who I am, but like I have a lot softer of a personality than that on like your everyday day. (laughs) And so like, I think, I think part of the reason that I end up crying all the time is because I am like spending so much time in this very intense, very fiery focused space and like maybe that's my way of like helping myself equal no I mean I've done it too post even just post regular season matches Mm -hmm. where like you just feel like you give so much and you've done so much and part of it is the frustration of working your ass off for x amount of days weeks years to get to that point and like I know for me a lot of it is just frustration of like, man, we had it and we blew it. Yeah. You know, and my, my frustration comes from giving and then not receiving. And that gives me a great amount of frustration. Absolutely. You know, and like, you don't want to like throw people under the bus and I've done it too. When I'm like, we had it and I blew it. Mm -hmm. I just did not execute at the right time. Well, Maddie, Maddie, it sounds like you're the healthy out of of us three. (laughs) You're the healthiest for sure because you know how to let go of that frustration. Express frustration. So here's here's my question to you. Um, So sophomore year, you're figuring out technique, you're getting reps, you're doing all this stuff, Mm -hmm. and then your junior year, you're firing on all cylinders now because yeah, that was. I played great. Yeah. So what clicked or like, what was it a coach player relationship or was it just you coming into your own combination of things or what? I think it was this, it was a culmination of like John and I understood each other a lot by that point. This like the starting lineup had been playing together for three years now. Like, and I was personally playing really well and like, things were going well for me off the court, things were going well for me on the court, like, things were wonderful, and then we lost in the final four, and it was so painful, because we were number one the whole year, and I was like, it's ours, like, this is the year we're gonna get it, like, let's do it, and I think in that final four match, like, we just, I think a lot of us, not, not regret, because I can tell you that I gave it everything I had, but mm-hmm. like it just wasn't there that day. Yeah, it just wasn't. Brittany wasn't had day. Brittany had the best match out of all of us for sure. But it was just not like wasn't our day, and we like we were fighting for it. Like we fought hard for it, and things just weren't falling our way. Yeah, it just yeah, happens. That off season was. The other thing about my off seasons was that I was always playing beach volleyball. which I did not want to be doing. (laughs) I have never liked beach volleyball. I think it is so hard. It is so physically exhausting in a way that indoor is not. And she doesn't like getting dirty. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't like sand. <laughs> I don't like sand. And I like the way that our uniform, we had basically had track uniforms. And so there are these tight tank tops and like, there's nowhere to put this sweat and sand. And I just, it bothered me a lot. And I have all the respect in the world for beach volleyball players. And I watch beach volleyball all the time, but I do not love to play. Yeah. At least at this point in my life, I do not love to play. So then, but that was a source of a lot of frustration in the off season, also yeah, for me. Perfect. So, so then, then you then, walk into your senior year, yeah, and you would think that because it's your last year, and you've all been playing together for so long that you would have so much trust mm-hmm. from your coaching staff, but for some reason they decide to basically quarterback play you and they're calling plays off the bench yeah what's the deal so they had discussed doing this before my junior year and I I'm I didn't say no but I expressed that I did not want to do it how pissed were you when it started happening I okay my senior year it was Jay Manfield was calling plays for me yeah out of serve receive and I I, I respect Jay and I love him so much, but I was like, and we, like a lot of times he would call what I was going to call anyways. Yeah. So it, it, because we knew our team and I knew we knew each other very well, but on some level, when you're a senior and you just went to the final four and you have had a lot of success, you're well, like, to me, it's a disrespect. Yeah. I was like, why? And like, what did I do? And their reasoning was that it would free me up to think about other things. But I was like, this job. is my job. Like, yeah. this is my job. And so, so that how, how, specific, how specifically would they call the play? Would they be like, hey, set this person? Or would they be like, hey, run a three-go red, set the go? We would have – so we had – we had three plays, essentially – but they were different based on whether I was in the front row or the back row. So we had six plays, but it was one, two, or three. And then we basically had like a, I think is like catcher's sign language or like baseball sign language where like he'd say one, two, or three. So I knew what the play was. And then he'd touch like, I think it was his shoulder for outside, his knee for back, whatever. And so it was like, this is your first option out of the play. So like not only was I being told what to run, but being told what to set. set. And so I was no freedom. so bitter about it. Like that I would, didn't handle that it would well. drive me out of my mind. I did not handle yeah. it well because if I was mature enough, I would have been able to say like, this is what's happening regardless of whatever you say, Maddie. So like you need to figure out how to be the best in this moment. But I was so bitter. Like, I know, okay, I think I speak for all of us. None of us here are peer setters. We're all good at volleyball. Yeah. Like, I would not say any of us have, like, the purest hands, the purest no. X, Y, Z. We're just good at volleyball. We just happen to be good at setting as well. Yeah. I'll say that you two are good at volleyball. I'm decent at volleyball. Okay, but <laughs> my point being – most setters like us with volleyball IQ, if you tell us where to set and we're not very technical, 
that ball's going anywhere. That was the other thing. I said like, because then you start thinking like, okay, so my hands, my feet, my ex, my whatever, and then it's like, um, now I'm setting balls into the pin. Now I'm setting them at ten feet because you're thinking about how can I make this perfect because I got nothing else to do. Yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you suck. Yeah, because all this instruction. Yeah, unless you grow up that way, like in this militaristic, like, hey, you do this because I tell you to. Yeah. Then it would be really hard, especially your last year. You know. Yeah. No, there's was, there's yeah. even there's even science on that. Like, yeah, I don't think coach I'm, the yeah coach the technical stuff during practice, and then when you're playing the game, ball you, out. You co- you coach the game. Yeah, but I think the thing – I wasn't setting as well as I did my junior year, but I think the thing that bothered me the most was, like, in the big moments of, like, 23-all or whatever, I was like, I have a feeling that no that one else is going to have, have – yeah. yeah, regardless of who – it can be – it could be Karsh Karai. I'm like, you don't have the same feeling that I have yeah. on the court. And I'm not saying that you don't know more about volleyball, but in this moment, I'm right here, and you put me here on the court. So, trust me. Let me take some risk. Yeah. Yeah, there so, has to be some kind of risk involved, too. How did you deal with that? I mean, that's a pretty big deal of having your decision-making pretty much taken away from you. Yeah. Um. I dealt with it all right until like I'd get <laughs> I'd get like frustrated about something whether like one girl's just like can't pass today or I can't dig a ball to save my life or whatever if I'm frustrated it was a lot harder to look over at the bench and accept like the instructions and then execute and and then it was also really hard because, like I said, I really liked Jay, and we were really close, and we still are close. Like, I follow his kid's photo stream. Like, so yeah. I – it was hard because if I didn't do what he said, I felt like I was personally insulting him. Sure. So, Which you are personally insulting him. Well, yeah. And Even, so then yeah. it was just like this – well, I can't – like, I don't feel good about this. And if I do what I want to do, you don't feel good. And I feel guilty. So that was really hard. On top of it, like, more than anything, Inky was injured. Like, in a serious way. <laughs> and and we were Best rooming. player you ever played with. Yeah. Best player ever injured. We're roommates. And she's, like, I'm playing volleyball without her for the first time in three years, which sucks. And then I'm – also, like, she is a very proud, very stubborn, very private person. And her dealing with her knee injury was very quiet, very isolated. And it was really hard to be her roommate because I was like, I know you're struggling, but I do not know how to help you because you won't talk to me. And also, I have no idea what you're thinking. So, like, those two things made my senior season very difficult. And I think Jackson's really curious. How did it all uh, culminate at the end? We lost. Did you guys lose? Yeah. We lost the Loyola Marymount in three 
at Stanford, second round after going to the Final Four. Yeah, and obviously I'm an LMU fan since I worked there, and <laughs> I I love those coaches and I love the players there, but yeah. kind of like you had a great career at Stanford, you really did, yeah. and it's obviously disappointing that you lose in the Sweet 16 to an underdog team your senior year. Yeah, losing after, at home in three. After that, ma- after that match, what's going through your head? Well, my parents were there, and we went to – so I remember we walked into the locker room after, and every – like all of our freshmen who didn't play were sobbing. <laughs> and I – I was like, this is so weird that I don't want to cry right now. Because, like, as we've discussed, that is usually my reaction to stress. And I think I was so in shock that that had just happened that I just couldn't even process it. So then I don't really remember. I remember Inky cried really hard. And I was like, that's really weird because she never cried. And then. I don't remember exactly what happened after that, but then I ended up at my parents' hotel and we just drank a lot of wine. And I think they were like scared to say something that would upset me because I was so like subdued and quiet in that moment. They were like treading very lightly. Sure. But yeah, it was, it was sad. And then it was even more sad because Inky was still injured and I was still like heartbroken for her. And I knew that we were going to, like my class was going to leave and she was staying. And I was like, it's just not like oh, we pictured what it. anybody pictured, what anybody wanted. Like it was just yeah. Fairy tales don't always turn out the way you think. Yeah. It was not a fairy tale. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. I I wasn't trying to oh, no. burst your bubble or throw it in your face or anything, but oh, no. it just seemed like it's fine. After after such a great career at Stanford, that must yeah, it was just a tough way to go out. It was brutal. I mean, Sarah Swansell, you may have heard of her. She's pretty good, and she lit us She's up. She's alright. <laughs> yeah, she hit cross. She hit sharper cross. And then she tooled, and then she hit sharp cross again. She went off. So I want to fast forward a little bit. So you play, first year is in Switzerland. Yeah. Not amazing. That's okay. (laughs) Second year is in Dresden. Yep. Not amazing, but you're getting quality reps at a high level. And you guys win the cup. You're not playing a lot, but like I said, you're getting a lot of good practice in. And you're finally getting to like, okay, I can just set. I can really focus on my craft. I had the most setting reps of my life combined in Dresden. And like we talked about, your coach, Alex, Mm -hmm. not a great coach, brilliant volleyball mind. Brilliant statistical mind. Yeah, like he would be a phenomenal manager, not a great coach. He He knows how to pick players. He has great eye for talent and he can remember so many more numbers than I can. So you get these quality reps, playing at a high level in the Bundesliga, and you decide to take your talents to Stuttgart. 
and yeah. play for Giannis. Yeah. Greek coach, first official, first year is officially as the head coach. I think it was the second. Second year. Yeah. And Giannis is unlike anybody you've played for before. <laughs> yes. Giannis, great guy. Yeah. I stood by him the whole year. Yeah. He made me. Uh, he really made me rethink my morals at some point in time. <laughs> so I was like, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. A I promise guy. he's a good guy. And because the amount of times that, again, Madison cried was right because he was yeah. tough. He was unfair. He was loyal. He was unloyal. He was rude. He was hilarious. Kind. He was kind. Yeah. He was clever. He, threw, he was conniving. <laughs> he threw, he threw me for a loop all around. The but world. at the end of all of it, the cool thing was just to watch his progression of you over time, not just as a volleyball player, but as a human. By the end of all of it, you guys win the championship. Yep. So walk us through mentally what trials and tribulations you had to encounter to get there through all of your career. Because I feel like that was a real culminating point for your career as a whole up until that, that moment. Do you mean like throughout Stuttgart? Or? Yeah, just through Stuttgart and like, you know, like yeah. use little okay. details that you learned as well. I, so I walk into Stuttgart and I was setting really well, like from the get go in preseason, I set really well. And Giannis was unlike any person I've ever met in my life. He was the loudest person I've ever met. <laughs> and just so, so passionate about volleyball. Like, it's oozing out of him how much he loves this sport. And he knows everyone. I could bring up any man, any woman. He knows who they are. He knows where they were born. Like, if they're related to volleyball. And... He was also a setter. And so the challenge of this particular team was that we had Crystal Rivers, who is an absolute animal, so incredible. Like she's just a small inky. She yeah, she's like a small inky. And she she's an incredible person. You should have her on the podcast. She has a lot to share. Um so we have this opposite who's just so dominant. But we also have a lot of other girls on our team who are really good. Like, we had a really talented team. Yeah, I mean, you had the reigning player of the year, Sarah Wilhite. Molly McCage. Molly McCage, Natty Champ at yeah, Texas. Of, yeah. We had Yana Pohl, who's been on the German national team since before I was born. Like Rosie, who's a Finnish national team in Barrow. Yeah. We had Paige Tapp, played in Minnesota. Yeah. Like we were stacked with talent and I have always liked to move the ball around a lot. I've always liked to set my middles a lot. I've always liked to take risks. And that was not what Giannis wanted. He wanted me to set crystal a lot. And he was trying, so language also was an issue that, that year. Like he speaks English. I, I took it upon myself to figure out like what he meant by things because I didn't, I don't speak any other language. So I need to make more of an effort to figure it out than they do in speaking my language. So I think it took us a really long time to figure out how the other person communicated. 
And so, because I remember very specifically, he said to me one time, like, if you don't want me to yell at you and pull you aside, because he'd pull me aside during games and timeouts all the time. And he said, if you don't want me to yell at you, set Crystal. Like, it takes your, tr like, it takes your ass out of the, like, off the chopping block. What's the way to say that? <laughs> it, like, takes the blame off of you. Just set Crystal. If she messes up, she messes up. Whatever. That's her. Like, I can yell at her, but I'm not going to yell at you for setting her ever. And if you're stressed and you don't know what to do, set Crystal. And I was like, no, I'm really good. It was the first time in my life where I was like, I'm better than you're giving me credit for. And I can do this. And so can the other girls on our team. And I don't think we're going to win long term if I only set her and we battled about this all year and the other thing was that we had a really good other uh Pia Kaysner was our other setter she's really good really young German setter who's also on the German national team and we were completely different in the way that we set and she would set crystal like all the time and so in the beginning of the season, I was playing, and then towards December, I stopped playing, and then I won this, which I was pissed about, but I understood because I wasn't playing super great when we switched. Then there was this match, this really important match, the day after Christmas, we played Schwerin, who was first or second, they're always top of the German league, and we played them. And I didn't start. And then in the second or third set, I went in and we win in five. And I was like, I got my swap back. Like, yes, I earned it. And we come back after our like five day Christmas break. We come back and it's not my spot. Like at all. <laughs> and I put up with it until about February. And I was just racking my brain trying to figure it out because until that time, like, if I had earned something, I had gotten it. Like, I worked hard to get into Stanford. I got it. Like, I worked really hard on being a good setter. I got Pac-12 setter of the year. Like, not that it was, like, awards that I wanted, but I wanted what I deserved. And so I was winning all the time in practice at this point. I was working my ass off and I was like, I deserve to be on the court right now. And I finally had a meeting with him. Absolutely sobbed my eyes out. <laughs> being like, what is the problem? Like, I do not understand. And he was, he was really gentle, very kind and was like, I just don't think you are setting as well out of system as Pia. And she sets crystal more. And I was like, I don't agree. And that was a really hard thing for me to say to a coach of like, I just don't agree with you. I think you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I had never said that to a coach. Like I let them tell me what to set at Stanford my senior year. And I was like, I think you're wrong this whole time, but I did it. And so three years later, I was like, I disagree. Like, and that was really hard for me. Still didn't play after that. <laughs> Spent most of the second half of the season coming in and winning in five. I think I did it eight times. 
and was losing my mind, like so, so frustrated. And we get to playoffs and what was it after the semifinals? I didn't even, I was still doing it all through playoffs, coming in and winning. And in the final series, I still didn't start the first match or two and had to come in and win. And we ended up going to five matches. And this was like the coolest match of my career. Like we go to five matches. It's like, this is the NBA game seven. Like the whole city of Stuttgart is in our gym. It's so freaking loud. And I'm like, if I don't freaking start this match, I'm going to explode. <laughs> and I started and we ended up winning in five. And the whole time I wasn't like, I wasn't even nervous. Like I should have been because oh, I was so like, well prepared by I that. was like, I freaking earned it. Like <laughs> this is ours to take and I'm going to set us there. And, like, I think throughout my life, and still now, like, I'm a person who's not going to knock people over to get what I want. Like, I'm like, okay, I think that we can all somehow win here. I think we should all can be civilized about this. And that was the first time that I was like, this is mine. Like, don't touch it. <laughs> like, and I think I learned so many things about myself that year. It was so painful. It was so painful. But I learned a lot about myself that year, and I got a lot better as an athlete. And a person. And a person. I, yeah, I walked out of that year a lot older. Maddie, that was awesome. Thanks. It was really Thank hard. You. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I, I really didn't know that about you. I know. You'd never I, re I remember Matt, like, mentioning to me, like, because – we would talk once in a while and he'd be like, yeah, Maddie came in and saved the match again. And she did it again and <laughs> she did it again and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realize it was that significant. Yeah. I was like, am I crazy? Am I insane? No. I don't know. Matt maintains that Giannis had the plan the whole time. He's like, Giannis knew what he was doing. And I was like, I don't think anybody <laughs> knew what was going on. It was, I think he did, like, just being in practice and stuff. He was a great coach. Like, he had yeah, the best practice. When I was in practice, he blatantly liked Maddie more. It was pretty obvious. And he was just kind of waiting for her to take it. You know how she just said, like, oh, you know, I've been pretty passive. And, like, everybody can have a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. And, like, this was the first time where she's like, it's my cake. Like, I'm giving my, pieces now. It's my freaking cake. I'm giving the pieces <laughs> out, you know? And he was kind of waiting for her to, like, grab the team and rally the troops and, like, really grab the team and be like, this is my team. Mm. And when she did it, you know, they won the championship. Yeah. Stud. Stud. He, he taught me a lot about myself. He's a really good, really great practices. I loved his practices. I'm tired just thinking about that year. We also played Champions League. We went to the um, quarterfinals of Champions League that year. 
and I played almost all of the Champions League matches, and then I wouldn't play versus, like, a mid-range German team, and I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we're good here. I think we're good here. All right, Marvs. Thank you for joining us. It was really nice to hear your story. Yeah, Maddie, thank you so much for your time. And thanks for being our first female guest. Girl power. That's right. And and thanks for keeping Matt in line. (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) You're doing a good job. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below. Thanks again.